podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If he kicks this, he can shave whichever part of his body he wants. Welcome to another episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Getting closer to the end of the season, we've finished the UFC for another year. Uh, well, the Welsh the Welsh involvement at any rate. Uh, loads of news stories to get through. We've got player retirements, players leaving. We've got judgment day to review, and of course, the only man I would want on an occasion such as this is the mighty man. He's unavailable. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am. <laughs> Oh, there you go, mate. You've even got the best. You've even got the best gags. Sort of me out. Sort of me out. <laughs> you're welcome. How are you, mate? All right, thanks. Yeah, you? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. You're in. Uh, you're in unusual uh, surroundings. I am. I'm in. Uh, I'm in Bristol today. So uh, Bristol. What part Bristol. of Bristol? Like, uh, don't tell me Clifton. No, a place All called right. Winterbourne, which is uh, uh, yeah. I don't don't know. No. Uh, near where Bristol Parkway. Trains. Oh right. Oh, yeah. this end then. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I'm yeah. edging, edging closer, mate. This you are, yeah. He'd be in Newport <laughs> next, yeah. Uh, yeah, really. I mean, I, I know a little bit more of Bristol now because friends of mine live there. But uh, unless it was the dog track, yeah, or or uh, the memorial ground, as mm-hmm. was, and I uh, and obviously Temple Meads, I don't really, you know, I know names of places, imagine, but I don't think I'm really the ba- been there. Imagine the background noise from the dog track, though. Yeah. Imagine yeah. that, Murph. Yeah, that'd be that'd be bad background noise, even by my standards of, uh, of audio production. Yeah, I mean it's I IKEA now, so there's no background noise at all. But that'd be, um, that'd be even worse. Yeah, I used to get told off reading my hot dog hot dogs too close to the uh, dog the uh, traps. Oh, I thought you were going to say at IKEA then. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They're both synonymous with hot dogs. That's weird, isn't it? <laughs> For me, they are anyway. No one else. I like to, no. Yeah, I like to think the same uh, the same hot dog vendor inherited the contract from the dog track mm. except yeah. now he specializes in plasticky swedish hot dogs yeah. and uh, in those days it was fully greasy full fat with horrible ones you know with tons of onions on yeah mm. like i said busy week for a uh, busy week for news in the union <laughs> we spent three minutes talking about hot dogs and bristol yeah. racetracks and bristol yeah bristol rovers football ground which doubled up as uh, a great dog track back in the 80s yeah absolutely right where do you want to start do you want to talk on the field or off the field, Murph? Because we've had uh, always on, always on. Always All right, on. let's go. Let's go on then. Judgment Day took place uh, at the weekend, um, and there was there was some stuff riding on it as well, which isn't always uh, isn't always the mm. case. Let's let's start then with that with that Cardiff Ospreys game because mm. it's uh, it secured the the Welsh Shield for Cardiff. More importantly, secured Heineken Cup rugby for the next season. Yeah, uh, but in terms of it as a game. I mean, they completely outplayed the Ospreys, really, from start to finish, didn't they? I'm so glad. I, well, relieved is not glad. Relieved I wasn't on last week because if you'd have asked me for predictions, mm. I would never have got that. I mean, I thought Saturday would go a similar way as the New Year's Day game did. Mm. Um, kind of uh, just Ospreys pack strangling Cardiff. And, and then unless you have a hot day behind, you know, uh, you're going to be on limited ball, and it's going to be difficult to win. And um, I just, I just 
just completely blindsided by the, the, that result. I thought the Ospreys were. Pro, I mean, they've been uh, uh, in and out, you know, form-wise all season. Mm. But that that was one of the one of the bad ones. I thought, especially with the. Obviously, there wasn't a lot of pace in the back row, but it was a big, big old pack, you know, and um, they just didn't bring that to bear at all uh, on, on on the game. And um, people like Thomas Williams, Max Luele, and what have you, uh, Mr. Great, everything just had a bit of a field. Uh, Thomas Young, obviously, mm. and um, I just, I just did not see that coming. And neither, by the way, did I see the other result coming. So. Oh, well, yeah, don't worry. I've dedicated it. Mate, if we're getting two minutes on hot dogs, we're getting two hours on the Dragons meeting the Scarlet. Um, but, yeah, let's let's carry on with that with that Cardiff-Ospreys game, though, because, obviously, as we said, there is a lot of off-the-field news this week. Before mm. we get into that, were you anticipating this as being potentially a bit of a galvanising thing for Cardiff, having, you know, uh, I guess, with Die Young not there... Mm. I don't know because he's been able to rally the troops or or did you think it would be more of a disruptive thing? Well, uh, uh, from our point of view, the the public, we only found out on Friday. And so we didn't really have time to think about how it was going to affect anyone for the game. You just sort of, you know, they would have already done, well, maybe they hadn't, but in amateur rugby terms, they would have already done their captain's run. And it was just time yeah. to meet up on game day and off you go. There was no time to really think about it. So um, I, I, I think that performance uh, Saturday is more of what they were hoping for against Benetton and against, um, uh, who did they play away uh, in the league? Glasgow. No? Connacht. Connacht, yeah. And they took a hide in. Um, that kind of end of term vibe just going around Welsh rugby now because of the number of people are leaving and, they, you know, that very unlikely to ever play in the same club side again as these people. So I was, I thought that I imagined that's what the kind of performance they were hoping to pull out in Europe, at least they felt just short against Benetton. Uh, and then a kind of, uh, uh, emotional flat spot, should we say last week and, um, pulled it together again, uh, for the Ospreys. I, I don't know what influence the die young situation had really. I, you know, a lot of, there's so many people leaving, from you know retiring or leaving or whatever else from that squad um and the osprey squad by the way you know there was a lot of people who i mean uh, probably well definitely alan win probably dan lidiot will never play for the ospreys again and it, it just so happens that in all the amazing uh, games they will have played for that club the last ever game was a complete shit show for want of a better word against any of its rivals so it's Really disappointing for some of the um, departing Ospreys. Yeah, it was. I mean, you, you can't help but feel that they played their they played their biggest game, whatever it was, three or four weeks ago uh, against against Saracens, and that must have taken so much out of them in terms mm. of, uh, I think, emotionally as well as yeah, more so than physically. I think everything was kind of building towards that. Uh, mm. Nonetheless, I think that the last two weeks will have been disappointing in terms of results, and everyone will be disappointed with that. But at the same time, uh, it, yeah, you're right. It did kind of sum up what their league campaign has been like all season, um, where they've hit these these flat spots that that have ended up in really disappointing results. But um, it was always going to be a tall order, I think, once they went into that final game against Cardiff to be, you know, to yes, winning the game is one thing, but realistically, you look, you would have to be looking at it as 
trying to get that uh, to, to get the five points out of yeah. the game that they need. That's needed. the one thing I couldn't see happening was was no. five points and rest- restricting Cardiff to nothing. Yeah. Um, because uh, because like I said about the New Year's Day game, that was just a, a kind of match where they strangled the opposition and and um, that meant I, I couldn't see him scoring four tries unless I mean the Owen Owen Williams centre thing just didn't work at all. Didn't work. You well, know, it, no, it didn't. It didn't get going behind. Um, uh, and the pack didn't perform particularly well either. So it was just, I feel sorry for the people. I don't know how many came down from uh, Australia, but um, <laughs> it was a real disappointment uh, from their point of view um, on the day. Um, and even, I, I, I don't know if it's just me, but the crowd seemed quiet. Yeah. Even when Cardiff are running in tries, it just seemed a bit muted in there. I mean, the thing is, is on paper, it's a weird event judgment day, isn't it? Because mm. it, well, we went, didn't we, the last time, uh, the mm. last time it was there before the pandemic. Was, before yeah. the pandemic, and uh, it is an odd thing because you have four different sets of supporters plus some neutrals plus minis in there, mm. and I think that works if it's packed. But it's half. Well, it's forty thousand in there, isn't it? So yeah. it, it, it's a difficult thing. I don't to think it was that. a particularly successful ticket sales because if it is, they normally tell everyone. Yeah. You're right. Um, the time we were there was like some kind of peak or record or whatever, because we were sat at. The, if you remember, we were sat at behind the posts. We were. The place yeah. was so full. There was. I think it was anyone behind the posts no, on the, on Saturday. Um, so yeah, and I, and I think there was a quite a lot of um, like Athletic uh, fans, Scarlet fans, should I say, just cleaning off after their game. Yeah. And I know, I know for a fact, a lot of Cardiff fans. Uh, Fans didn't bother to go in until their game was on. Yeah. So the place is probably, although they they might have sold X amount, I don't think it was ever that amount of people in there at the same time. Which is the so, tricky thing with with Cardiff over different large venues, isn't it? Is you've got if your team is playing second, realistically, you can you can stay in a much better drinking establishment and have a few jars. Yeah, you can have nice beer. That's not a rip off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rather than going into the stadium early doors in a glass. Um, in a glass, yeah, 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 that hasn't been sat there for I, the the pint, the first pint of Guinness I had during the, during the Six Nations. Honestly, I can't remember if I mentioned this, but it was. I, I think I've drunk um, I've drunk scotch that's younger than it. It was just yeah, yeah, so yeah. flat and horrible. Yeah, it's um, been sat there so long, and needed a shave. <laughs> <laughs> and there's loads of them like that. It's just, it's just like almost no head on it. Yeah, and it just looks like coffee. Yeah, it it yeah. was not um yeah, yeah. not an enjoyable seven pound pint or whatever it was mm. um so i think that is always the, that's always the danger with it and i know we've said this in previous years but you can't help but think that this will be better suited at the start of the season you know that weekend number one when uh mm. perhaps uh, the optimism is a little bit more uh readily available in, uh, <laughs> yeah less jaded <laughs> yeah you know whereas at the, at the end of a urc season you think god you know um it's it, not it's the previous ones haven't been last game of the year, though, have they? I can't remember now. Yeah, there's been other games after Judgment Day because it would have been earlier in April or whatever. Or yeah, I, I can't was. remember them being the last day of the season before. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I, I I can't remember. It's moved around. It's always been that kind of t- that tail end. But mm. um, yeah, for, I don't know. For me, it seems like an odd time to do it because more often than not. There's nothing to play for uh, for the Welsh sides, but mm. also, you know, if you have a cracker on the first day of the season, there's every opportunity for for people to go along in weeks that come. You know, particularly kids if they're going, oh, do you know, that was great. I love, uh, I love watching Rio Dyer. Yeah, yeah. Can we go? Yeah. Can we go next week? And mm. um, and there's the opportunity to do that. 
you know any any kind of people watching the dragons for the first time or watching um watching cardiff for the first time they've got to wait till october for a competitive fixture now because it's world cup yeah 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 so uh exactly. yeah, so yeah. It, it does feel like there's, there's kind of it's an important tool in marketing the game but i do feel like it, it needs uh, it needs a shot in the arm now mm. to be honest uh, everything in Welsh rugby needs a shot in the arm it does talking a shot in the arm let's have a quick break and when we come back we're going to look at the other game uh we're going to also take a look at some of the players who we think have uh perhaps um played themselves into contention for warren gatland's long list and uh we'll look at some of the off the pitch stuff that's that's making the news this week as well but first is this quick break Right, Murph, let's take a look at the uh, the thing I really want to talk about this week that was uh, the Dragons beating the Scarlets. Um, before we get too deep into uh, into the Dragons, what do you think went wrong for went wrong for the Scarlets there? Do you think it was a question of just Dragons being better on the day or have they got one eye inevitably on um, on this, the European Challenge Cup semi-final? Ah, a good point. I, I, I hope so. Um, I, I thought last week against Glasgow, if the weather had been better like they made a lot of changes going into that Glasgow game mm. and pushed them really close away good, from home. Yeah. yeah and I think if the weather had been better Glasgow uh, oh, Scarlet's bloody hell it's getting boring isn't it? the mm. Scarlet's could have <laughs> could have um, it would have suited their game on they could have won that game but I, I again I don't know where yet and a quick confession I, I don't know where uh, Saturday's result came from but uh, I, I was kind of Watching it through the clubhouse window, I was a uh, my club were playing Tata Steel away, and we were on the balcony, and I kept poking my head into the club, and I was and I could, what? Why are Dragons twenty one seven up? And then you know I just kept poking my head back in before, and I, 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 I although I've seen highlights, I haven't watched the game back fully yet. So uh, you'll have to you uh, wax lyrical now about how amazing the Dragons are to me. Okay, minute one, everyone settle in. I hope you've got, I hope you've got <laughs> minute one. To <laughs> Minute one. Um, so. Well, I tell you what, there was there were some really excellent individual performances and some timely reminders from players like Tane Basham, Aaron Wainwright of how good they of how good they are, and they were both excellent uh, on the day. I thought it helped that the you know the, the Dragons' weakness all season has been set piece, and it wasn't a particularly set piece dominated game. Uh, there were big battles at the breakdown, and Dragons got that right. They got quick ball when they were. When they had uh, when they had the ball and they managed to slow the Scarlets down very very well, Scarlets lineout didn't function particularly well either. So all of those things kind of played into Dragons' hands. But for all of that, you know, the passing was crisp. Um, it was. I said this last week with uh, with Harry that Dragons seemed to quite like playing at the Millennium Stadium because we did it quite a bit um, during the COVID years and and the Rainbow Trout Cup and all that. And there were some good performances at the end of those um, at the end of those those weird wilderness seasons, yeah. uh, and I think it does suit the way that they play because you know in the in, in the back line there's some there's some real talent. And if you play with width and you've got people like Hewitt and Dyer on the wings, then you then you can cause sides trouble. Yeah. Um, but it relies on your skills actually functioning, and uh, and they did. You know, I thought it was a really good mix. Roger Williams doing an excellent job of managing it from nine. Angus O'Brien looked equally as comfortable at ten as he did at fifteen. Has been such a, it's been an excellent signing um, mm. or re-signing rather. You know, I I can't help but feel like we missed out on, um, on whatever that was four years of 
of excellent service from him. That would have been a real it would have been a real boost to have him in the squad during that time. Yeah. Um, but he's been great, and I think next season, obviously, he's probably going to be playing at ten a bit more. And if I'm honest, there's no reason why he couldn't be first choice ten based on based on Saturday's form. So I'm I'm delighted for him actually because he's 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 done a really good job. So lots of things went right. Steph Hughes actually probably had more of his more quiet games, but he's such an understated player that he just makes good decisions. You know, he does a lot of a lot of tidying up, whether that's straightening up the line or putting boots a ball or just he's a very unfussy player. But yeah. I think he's absolutely integral to what they do. So so lots of things went right. Um but also, you know, a few things kind of coming um perhaps went in our favour as well in terms of areas where the Scarlets could have got and could have got uh, could have got one up didn't didn't necessarily turn out that way so the the big question is is it a flash in the pan or is it actually something to build on the thing that gives me real hopes I really rate Di Flanagan as a coach mm-hmm. I think you know I think a lot of I, I think the players do as well and if you've if you've got a young coach in charge he's had a first a tricky first season where he's taken over two games in had a long period without a win just got a you know just got a hope that that next season they're able to do it more consistently and as we said probably about a year ago a good season for the dragons would have been a few a couple more wins which they did um and cut out the hammerings and with the exception of the odd hammering the 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 game away in scotland a few weeks ago there's not been there's not been the the huge monster great um hammering so i think the overall yeah. direction certainly not back to back hammerings you know yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I just looking at the selection, I, and you know, there there were people rested from the Scarlet side, oh, yeah. so hopefully they are. I, I'd love them to beat Glasgow at home. I think I think that'll be a a great game because Glasgow, it's such hard work. Like even if they don't play well, they're mm. they're, they're hard to beat. And so you know, like missing from uh, the weekend was like. Uh, Shingler, Calamaphoni, Lousy. Is Calamaphoni banned? Calamaphoni, no. Calamaphoni yeah. has um has injured himself, and, and that's him. Right. For Scarlet, of course. Um, so Lousy, Shingler, and people like Win Jones didn't start, and you know there's there's others. You know, um, um, not too many missing from the back line actually, but um, hopefully they can put that behind them and give, make a give a count. Well, I mean, they're the only they're the only Welsh region has got a, a season left. Everyone yeah. else is. Well, Everyone else it, is on, on holiday yeah. now, or, yeah. or on the on the on the lash for a couple of weeks before they start um, moving to the next clubs. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of <laughs> there's quite a lot of um, uh, Welsh rugby pressure on on the on the Scarlets next week to try and extend the season beyond like April. So um, things things yeah. that go. Let's let's move on to to preview that game now. So things that are going in the in the Scarlet's favour. Ticket sales have been very very good. So I know they've sold in excess of ten thousand for that. Mm. And they've um, opened the ends of the stands. They've as opened well. the ends of the ends stands. Of the pitch. Up. Yeah. And um, you know, I think as we were saying a few weeks ago, there's been all too few occasions when um, when it's been been full. At, well, at any of the re- any of the regional sides, but yeah. Um, I think that you know it promises to be it promises to be a really good encounter. You know the I think the the kickoff time is good and the fact that they they've had this amount of ticket sales really early. It's you know I think it promises to be a a good um, mm. and Glasgow Glasgow have obviously got other things. Glasgow are still fighting a war on two fronts now, aren't they? As well, they've yeah, got yeah, quarterfinals yeah. of the URC to to I'm contend sure. with, and they're away in this. I'm not saying that that means that they're not going to try or they're they're not going to win it, but I think those things will. 
should make the Scarlets slight favourites for this. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, clearly, uh, Connaught were targeting uh, the league rather than mm-hmm. um, rather than uh, Europe because they got hammered by Benetton away, mm-hmm. and then Cardiff went over there, lost by two points, and then when Cardiff played Connaught over there, admittedly in Connaught, uh, they spanked them. So they were obviously they were obviously focusing on the league, and hopefully Glasgow are as well. I don't know. I don't, usually, when teams get to the semis, they start taking the semi seriously. The big clubs, I mean, the big or mm-hmm. the stronger clubs. So. Um, yeah, I I hope home advantage is a difference there because I I, I did I backed him to beat Claremont and um, Claremont after the red card were taking him much more seriously than I expected. So um, yeah, I think the with a huge crowd there as well, very one-eyed partisan crowd as you'd expect in Wales. I um I, I think they I think they'll and with everyone back, you know, the players I just mentioned, I think they'll. Yeah, get I think out of those players you mentioned as well. And I think you said it a few weeks back, but Shingler's had such a mm. big influence on this side post Christmas, and, and he's decided to retire since I picked him up. He has. Well, yeah. and to be fair, he's you know he's thirty five now, Aaron Shingler. Mm. But mm. Um, yeah, I think he's. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's just a, a proper out and out six, which you know, like you said, Wales have been have been looking for the answer in that regard. Uh, yeah, for the last for the last couple of seasons, and. And he's and he's done that role for role for the Scarlets, and I think it's helped it's helped free things up for the for the rest of the back row, and um, yeah, yeah, I think I think that him coming back will will make a big difference. I think Gareth Davis starting on um, on presumably will start uh, the the semi final as well. Yeah. Been in great form this uh, this season, so uh, yeah, I think you know there's a few um, a few players to come back in and and make a difference, and I, and you can I don't think you can ever underestimate how much. You know, in a league game, admittedly, you know, a local derby, but your eye is always going to be on the on the semi final, I think, isn't it? Or, or certainly one eye is going to be on it because it's it's potential silverware. Well, versus... it, well, it, I mean, it was there was winning, uh, although they would have liked to win, winning against the Dragons made absolutely no difference to Scarlet's position. No, you know, they're going to finish fourteenth regardless. Yeah, didn't make any difference what win, lose, or draw, but. Um... I, I still don't think they'd have liked to have lost so convincingly, but uh, I, I think if, if they win, um, if they win against Glasgow, no one will even remember this game. No, it's just happened. No, no one at Scarlets will even remember that it even happened. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, I hope, I hope they pull it off. Yeah, and uh, as we we're saying, a lot of players from all four regions kind of announcing. That they're that they're moving on. I think. It's I mean, it's mega. You can't Dallas. even keep up. Yeah. There's a there's a new retiree and a, and a new um, contact not being extended every single day of the week. There's something new. You know, the latest because last time I was on with you, we were talking Sam Davis possibly to Cardiff. Well, I, I haven't heard anything concrete since, and now Patchell's available. Well, the the Sam Davis one was interesting because I think one of the the Cardiff rugby fan accounts uh, suggested during the week that. Um, mm. You know, there's a lot of news, a lot of talk about Sam Davis potentially coming to Cardiff. I hope he doesn't come. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't think, actually, to be fair, it blew up into a bit of a Twitter thing because Sam responded to it. And oh, he right. Said, he said, rest rest, rest assured, I'm not, I'm not coming. So, yeah, or he's something like, I'm not coming, so you can rest easy. Right. And to be fair, the account just the account said, look, I wasn't slagging you off. I was just saying, you know, I don't think you'd suit um style of play. And Sam took it all in his stride, to be fair. And, mm. you know, it almost feels like, you know, people spoke about it like adults rather than it firing up into some social media storm. But all of which would suggest that it's probably not going to be Sam Davis. But 
Reese Patchell being available again is a is a very very interesting one. If there's that you know if there's the the money in the budget to to attract him back to Cardiff. Well, uh, even if it is the money, I I I mean I'm not running any professional rugby clubs, but if I was, I'd want him on pay as you play. Yeah, you know a minimum a minimal kind of or nominal fee for signing or for or for being there. But he just played so few minutes in the last few years that um, you couldn't, you no one, I don't care how much money, you know, if he was going to the biggest spending club in the country, no one's going to lash out money on Reese Patchell because he's just not on the pitch enough. So uh, you remember when John Hartson was at Celtic and he was literally mm. paid per game, per appearance? Was that at Celtic? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's, it's a while ago now, maybe yeah. 15 years ago. Uh, never missed a match, or hardly ever missed a match, because otherwise he I didn't get say, a I, I, yeah, I, I only remember him just scoring truckloads of goals for Celtic. I didn't realise he was on a yeah. pay-as-you play. Yeah. yeah, I believe so. Because he had, I think, because he's had such a bad injury yeah. record that they persuaded him to go uh, pay-as-you-play, and um, that would be good business if you had Patchell on. I don't think anyone accepted it in this era. No, uh, if you get any agents, I mean, would accept that. If you get Patchell on pay-as-you-play, um, I mean. Literally, Glantaf, like two and a half miles away from the Arms Park, is his is his neck of the woods. Like so, it uh, is, yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I the fact that we haven't heard suggests there might be something else in the offing. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, the interesting thing is, it's um, of those players. If we just look at the players leaving, uh, leaving the scars, as we said, Dane Black is leaving, which we mentioned last um, mm. last week, going to the Dragons, which I think is an excellent signing. Callum Phone is going to France. Javon Sebastian is going to Edinburgh. Um, then you know, of the other, well, however many players are leaving, they're um, quite well off though. Uh, Lee Halfpenny finishing. Yeah, so I, I think the you know the big names you can pull out of that are Halfpenny, um, Halfpenny Patchell, and probably Will Griff John as well. Who mm. you know we. I think people had quite high hopes for when he when he said it's I just did, not yeah. it's just not um it's just not kind of materialised into anything, has it? No. Um, um, but I think a few of them you'd expect to find playing somewhere because I think if Harpenny was going to pack it in, I think he would have probably said it. I imagine well, he probably fancies it. He's the kind of player I could see um, turning up in Japan or because he's such a big name within rugby. It'd be yeah. also maybe he doesn't want to announce retirement because he got one eye on the World Cup. Yeah. And then maybe retired after the World Cup a little bit, like uh, clearly a lot. A lot. No one's actually said anything officially. There's a lot of players potentially going to hang up their boots after the World Cup for Wales. You know, Alan Wynn, chief among them, but then also Ken Owens, maybe you know, and um, various others. Even you know, there's so many who are well into their thirties that there could be some surprise ones as well. You know. Yeah. No, you're um you're right. On on the other hand, at Scarlet's incoming. Johan Lloyd is signed from uh, from Bristol. Mm. That um, is the clear- big money signing of the season in Wales. Yeah, clearly the uh, the lure of hot dogs in Bristol was not enough to was not enough to keep him. <laughs> the, um, got rid of the dog track, so why would anyone stay? Um, <laughs> yeah. The uh, the that is there's something in that uh, signing because he he's been one of those versatility players at Bristol, has never settled in one position, and it sounds like um, Johan Lloyd is going to be a ten. Yeah, and if he is a uh, regularly featuring a 10 that, that that's the only way to me that's the only way he's gonna uh fulfill his potential as a player because there is obviously a talented player in there it's just he kept 
being put on the wing or at fullback or whatever, they had a gap. And when he did, when he, the times when he did play a 10, and I know because I would have watched it on BT Sport, he always looked a bit hurried, like because he, he hadn't had enough time in that position. I mean, and he's playing, you know, and he's playing in the Gallagher Premiership at 10, and there's a lot of pressure on you in that position. So uh, he always looked a bit flustered, not flustered, but rushed. And so I think if he gets <laughs> time to play at a lower standard in the USC, <laughs> and, and I guess a chance to, um, uh, spend some time there. I think you might, I, I hope we get to see what, what we all thought he was capable of, I don't know, three seasons ago, was it? Mm. Probably, it's probably before the pandemic when he first started. Uh, so probably um, he was playing from very from a very young age, wasn't he? Yeah, I think he's only yeah. 22 now. Yeah, so um, yeah, he was 18, wasn't he? So four years yeah. ago, yeah, yeah. Um, but again, you know, of, of all positions um, in the backs, 10 is that one that you mature into, isn't it? You know, you mm. there is so much that goes with it. And I think the step up from from age grade into, like you say, playing something like like Premiership Rugby where back rows is just that much more canny and and quicker and yeah. ball carriers running into you. There's a lot, a lot of um a lot of pressure and maturity needs to, to come at 10. Um but again, it, the kind of back line you'd you'd want to you'd want to play with, isn't it? There's a lot of excitement and experience outside you. So, um, yeah, I, do you think that is that is his best position in the long run? Though I don't know. We don't, well, this is the trouble. We, we, <laughs> he's never, you know, he's never. We, we know he's not a winger. That's where he's played yeah. most. Most of his time at Bristol, most of his appearance at Bristol, been on the wing, and we know uh, he gets away with it at that level, but at a higher level, he hasn't got the straight line speed, you know, for, for that position, if he's going to go on to be an international um, and fullback, no, no fullback. So, I mean, he's, he's, he's played, I think he's played every position in the back line, hasn't he? While he's been, uh, well, probably with the exception of scrum half, I imagine. He hasn't yeah. Been. I think he, I think he, no, he, yeah, he's never started at nine, but I think he's ended up at nine while yeah. it was a yellow card. Yeah. Someone was in a bin and I think he's covered nine. So, um, he hasn't started every position, but he's featured in, you know, in a, in a game for a certain point for every position in the backs. And, um, it, it, you know, there's been so many players in the past who could never uh, pin down exactly what they were and, and it's been to their detriment. So I, I, whether it works for him as a 10, the Scarlets, uh, I don't know, but I, I hope, I hope it comes off because clearly that, you know, there's loads of ability in him. It's just what position is he, and so I think we might be about to about to find out. Yeah, it's hard to think of a utility player who has kind of benefited from that. Do you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. one of those where you know you look at players like Hook, and Hook's best position for me was either ten or outside centre. Yeah, um, and it, I, I don't know. I just felt like you know for Wales he deserved a run at ten, but mm. moved from ten, twelve, fifteen, thirteen, and and that yeah. that certainly didn't help the latter part of his career. And no. it's, it, yeah, I mean Austin it, Healy's another one. You could never be entirely sure he could play nine, ten, eleven. He, he even yeah. played at the end of his career. He even plays in the centre for Leicester, mm. and yeah, he had he had everything, didn't he? You know, in terms of it, in terms of his ability. But yeah. I think his best position was probably on the wing, actually. Mm. He, was just, he was just so quick. Well, that was the majority of his yeah. caps, weren't they? His international caps were on the wing. Yeah. But um, yeah, and it it I uh, it certainly didn't. I mean, Austin Healy and James Hook were both British Lions. Oh yeah, yeah. But but they also had the ability to be the best players in the world. I think I genuinely believe that. 
Yeah. But when you know, never established at international level in any one position, no, or, yeah, yeah. you know, all were kind of always going to be in the match day 15, it was always a question yeah, of dropping you know, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. undroppable. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I think that's a really, I mean, there's not much, to, <laughs> there's not much to dwell on in terms of transfers in, is it? So, um, it'd be interesting, right. really interesting to see how that develops over the next 12 months. Yeah, well, I tell you what, on the, the transfers in front, uh, there was an article, or uh, I think at least a, a quote from Di Flanagan saying that he's still hoping to um, to bolster the squad because some funds have been freed up by by Moriarty moving on. So I don't know exactly what that might look like. But Well, there's uh, loads of, I mean, it, it, it seems like there's loads of free agents. Like, I I, I know Will Griff John didn't, he didn't come off at Scarlet, but uh, don't tell me the Dragons couldn't use him. Well, yeah, I, I think it. You know, yeah, um, you know, the thing that would be putting you off that is the kind of Rob Evans not working out, and is that is that the, the case of the same again? But you're right, you know what what are you going to do otherwise? Go into it with, you know, with um, a squad of tight heads that mm. that has struggled this season, or do you do you take a punt on someone who is uh, at his best a very good scrummaging tight head? Um, well, it's not. It's not. You know, it, that's that. It, that is the issue, but it's also a matter of not putting the players you have got through so many minutes. Yeah. yeah even absolutely. if even if they don't get injured, they burn out because they're mm-hmm. playing too many games. I know props only do 50, 55 minutes at a time, but if you're doing this in this year, if you're doing that every week because there's very little options to choose from. And um uh, the, you know the famously Cardiff went into one season with only three recognized second rows in the squad. And lo and behold, you know, they were breaking down with injuries because they were just burning out. So you, if you're going to have a, a good run at the season, you need a pool of front five forwards there. And um, obviously that's where they struggle in this country because it's expensive to keep people like that hanging around and keeping them fresh. But, um, you know, the, the way that clearly rugby uh, is not going to be throwing around big lumps of money, especially in Wales now, um, if they get him, he won't, he won't be earning um, the same amount as people were before, as players were before the pandemic. So maybe they, well, the, the, the belt has been tightened as well, so it probably levels out. But hopefully they could get some kind of depth in their front five because that's that's where the issues are, I think, for uh, the Dragons. Yeah, I think uh, I think we'd all agree on that. Right, we can take one more quick break. And when we come back, Murph, I want to get your opinion on some of the end-of-season bolters who uh, might be forcing their way into Warren Gatland's training squad. Right. Um, we also want to talk about the retirement of Josh Navidi, which uh, I'm not sure I'll get over for uh, for a while yet. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll round up all the uh, all the other bits of news um, from this week in and around Welsh rugby, and all of that is coming up after this quick break. Home stretch now, Murph. Home stretch for this episode and uh, and the and season. The, no, and, we'll be back uh, next no, week. we'll we'll come back next week for Scarlet. And depending on whether Scarlet's win or not, we'll we might have a couple more. So I think we're nearly there. We're nearly there. If the Scarlet's win, we'll obviously we'll carry on and follow them into the final. And I think we might even have uh, we might even have Gatlin's um, extended squad uh, announcement in between. This will be the well. this will be the Scarlet's podcast. Official podcast by the end of the season. 
Well, yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, that's that's what happens when you're the sole representatives at the, the business yeah. end of the season, isn't it? And we are available. I know. And well, and yeah, to be honest, we had our feet up by this time last year, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's a novelty. I don't, know, I don't know how welcome my accent would be either. Oh, yours. Yeah, yours is going to be the real problem, mate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, oh yeah, just uh, just while we're while we're finishing on the on the east and west, um, I haven't dropped Matthew Jones uh, a message about Rio Dyer yet, but um, I was thoroughly thoroughly pleased to uh, to watch an outstanding bit of skill. He was excellent, and and particularly the uh, um, the the pace and the footwork he showed to put in Jordan Williams for his try. Um, oh yeah, I am um, absolutely love him. I'm delighted to. Uh, <laughs> delighted with that one, but um, but yeah, I kept I kept my head down and didn't text him. You so, just yeah. said it on air instead. Yeah, I thought I'd say it on air. So, yeah, if, you're, uh, if you're listening, Matt. Um, right, but uh, as we're saying there, and um, with the end of the season, judgment day, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, Gatlin's squad and that. So I think he's coming up in the next couple of weeks. This kind of All right. You know, right, yeah, extended okay. training squad. Um, just wondered, Murph, if you'd had any thoughts about players kind of post Six Nations who uh, who've kind of bolters if you like if that is indeed the right term uh well i think i've mentioned uh, one or two uh since the six nations johnny williams uh i'm still a big and always have been a not that there's not that there's a lot of space in the squad for wingers but i'm still a ryan combia guy mm. uh and otherwise thomas young obviously I mean, we've been as well now as he was when he arrived. We've um, got to talk about Thomas Young now, haven't we? I yeah, mean, and was... Jack Morgan's out injured, so I, uh... Uh, I was thinking long and hard about this the other night, like in the middle of the night when my my daughter was was um, had woken us up and I was trying to get back to sleep, and I was just thinking like, what the hell do you do with sevens? Because there are so many, mm. and there's only some you can take. But the more I watch Thomas Young, the more I just feel like you have to take him. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, and uh, I don't think he will go. I don't know. Do you know, been... I, in a way, he's got uh, the carrying attributes of Jack Morgan and the, the Jacqueline attributes of uh, uh, Tommy Raffle yeah. in one one package. Um, but that's that's where we are. They're just too, there's just too many good sevens. And therefore, um, you know, they've, when was the last time he was selected? I think he was, did he get a run in, a look, a look in, in the autumn? I can't remember. He has he has been in and around, doesn't he? Mm. But um, yeah, I, 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 he's he's going to, he's he's going to be in the conversation because he just keeps having so many good uh, performances for his club. But I, I think all of us agree that he probably won't <laughs> he probably won't get picked. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right, and part of me thinks as well. You know, Gatlin, like any coach, has his favourites. And he's not really gone out of his way to to kind of pick Thomas Young at any in any meaningful internationals, and that's again not to his detriment. That's um, you know, that's in no small part because of the the amount of competition. But yeah, well, I mean, he's here. what is he thirty and a bit, maybe maybe uh, thirty. Tom, yeah. Well, he's he's been around in the era of Justin Tiprick and Sam Warburton and yeah. Josh Navidi, who can also play seven. So that's that's the main reason why um, he hasn't been looked at it. You know. He's just very high quality in an era when there's even higher quality, and that's you know that's classic. All all the great scrum halves who played in the same era as Gareth Edwards never yeah. had a look in. It's the same thing, really. So, um, yeah, but you know, 
uh, all the better for Cardiff, really. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that's true. While we're, <laughs> while we're talking about Cardiff, is it ridiculous to suggest that one or both of Domachowski and Azarati have got a chance of making this certainly this wider squad? Um, uh, yeah, uh, they've come together well, haven't they, over the last few weeks? Domachowski, definitely. Oh, yeah. Um, he's out playing. Um, Chris Carey at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and well, he... and again, they they trouble they trouble the Ospreys the Ospreys front row again in weirdly yeah. refereed scrummaging at, at times. But mm. as a, as a scrummaging unit, you know that that front row has gone really really well. Yeah, it's all done it because um, Azarati and Belcher are tiny little guys, you know, stat height wise. Height wise, yeah. And um, that probably helps their scrummaging because they can get underneath some of the bigger props. Um, and and by the way, that's probably going to be like first choice front row for him next season. Yeah. Uh, Reese Carey aside, because everyone else, I don't know what's happening to our hip, and we know Dylan Lewis is going. So unless uh, <laughs> you know, unless there's some signing we don't know about, I, I, I don't know. Um, it's down, you're down to Will Davis King then. Yeah. So um, yeah, uh, yeah. I, Domachowski, he's probably again, he, he's probably. Um, uh, scrummaging is up there with most props in the um, in the country, and he, he's also doing a bit of carrying as well. So, I mean, we we are quite well off, I think, in the loose head uh, position. So we'll see. Is Nicky Smith going to force his way back into that? I again, I think we've all been yeah. a bit perplexed as to why, particularly in the Six Nations, he was excluded, given that the well, that is a... he, he was troubling it the best, you know, the big packs in Europe yeah. in, the, in the highest competition. Well, the initial he was in in the um, starting lineup to face New Zealand and away Wayne Pivak last autumn. And there's an issue with, uh, especially in the higher level games, there's an issue with Nicky Smith and defensive reads. Mm. Um, and um, it's it happened. It's happened. I mean, I don't suppose regular normal spectators would notice, but if you analysed a lot of his high-level matches, there's always a kind of a defensive lapse in him. Mm. And um, I think he took it partly because he took a ridiculous fucking dummy from Adi Surveyor. He just kind of passed as if he was passing the ball to the floodlights. Nicky bought it and Adi Surveyor sauntered up the middle of the pitch. That kind of thing will piss off your coach. Um, I, uh, but the rest, you know, if that was ironed out, I, I don't know. I don't know how much, you know, it's been going on or whether it's a, whether I'm reading too much into it. But there's not an awful lot else going on that's wrong with his, you know, he's, he's good at jackling, he's scrummaging, he's carrying, you know, he's got everything apart from these odd defensive lapses. And maybe the other criticism is sometimes work rate in defense. Mm-hmm. But he, he's definitely in the breakdown for jackals, but maybe not. His tackle count is probably not as high as it could be. Uh, maybe that's the perception. But again, uh, I just think um, a lot of those things would be improved with the run of games more than they are. So, um, yeah, it's 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 going to be down to whoever's in best form over the summer and going into the World Cup, really. Yeah, and the other obviously the other player you mentioned there was was Johnny Williams, which is another troublesome position for Wales, not because mm. of the lack of options, but because you can't really separate any of them at the moment, can you? There's so many, there's so many different options. Who do you think are the front runners and who would you like to see in that squad when it when it starts getting whittled down? Uh well, 
um, biasly, uh, Max Llewellyn. Mm-hmm. I thought he was brilliant on Saturday. I think he, he is. I think he is brilliant. He he, he does so much unseen work and, mm. and makes other people look good with his just his uh, level, the detail he puts on the things that he does, um, and so he, he, even if you're not um, uh, like he's backs coach at my rugby club, so I am you know I'm literally biased. But even if you're not necessarily a huge fan of Max, he's still he is still due uh, uh, a, a squad selection. Mm. Uh, he only missed, I think, I hope he only missed out the Six Nations because of injury. And he definitely makes the wider squad. And um, I, we don't know if Joe Hawkins is going to be eligible now. We, we, we don't know whether they, they're going to consider that the Exeter contract starts after the World Cup, so therefore he can be in the World Cup. But uh, it, 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 um, whether he is or not, I still think Johnny Williams and um, Max Llewellyn should be included um in this initial in this initial squad for the the training whatever training squad for the summer whatever it is yeah i i agree and uh, the last few weeks what game was it we were talking about um when oh, it was the Cardiff Sale game wasn't it when Llewellyn was at 12 Grady at 13 and mm. i mean look, i know Grady's still raw but there is there is something there isn't there there is a yeah. serious athlete and a serious competitor there um like in in an era where everyone is big you know like 10 12 years ago like when Jamie Roberts first started playing center and he was massive for a center well everyone's big it's it's not uncommon to have a six foot four six foot five center now he he still looks so strong and so Mm. quick as well that um he looks more like he's built like Ross Moriarty the shape yeah. of his head, the shape of his head as well, is more like Ross Moriarty, like a back rower. Uh, still worries me that he's he's uh, playing with heavy strapping all the time. Mm. Like that's the re- the reason why we've only just getting to see his potential now is because he's had huge injuries already in his career. So um, yeah, I hope that doesn't you know curtail any of his momentum that he's got going now. Uh, and yeah, I, I, you know, um, there's a there's enough. There's a, there's enough to choose from, I think, in the centre in Wales. It's just a matter of, you know, you still got the you still got the Joe Hawkins, the Nick Tompkins, the George mm. North, uh, and, and all the others. So it's just a matter of finding who's going to be the right blend uh, when it comes down to it. Um, we yeah. still, you know, even though even though we saw a lot of Joe Hawkins, a lot of Mason Grady in the in the tournament, we still finished the tournament with Tompkins and North. So by the oh. World Cup, three was it two or three warm up matches. Yeah, um, it's he's not a lot. His mind up. so much of it is going to come down to the training camp, I think, mm. uh, or the training camps. And I don't know what they've got lined up this time around, but historically, there have been some pretty bruising, um, physically demanding training camps in you know in Poland and wherever else. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think a lot of it will come down to, to that and assessing character and you know ability to handle that kind of um, that kind of. Uh, battling um they, but again you've got a new strength and conditioning coach coming in whoever that might be um, yeah into the yeah funny well. how we haven't heard anything yet no i know mm. um so so i think a lot of that will will decide it um but yeah there's there's just um yeah there's there's so many different options when it when it comes to centers but i think north will be in there for his experience I, I'm, I'm sure of it even though you know he's not yeah. necessarily made that 13 shirt his own but no in a side that's going to be low on um, 
low on a lot of experience, I think mm. um, a player like that is going to is likely to be in there, which only leaves you yeah. a couple, you know, probably three births if George North goes as a thirteen slash fourteen. So yeah, three players, and there's realistically it's about six people who um, who are in the running for it. So mm. yeah, we'll wait and see. Right, Murph. One player, sadly, who's not going to be in the running for the World Cup is uh, Josh Navidi, who announced his retirement this week. Mm. Um, very simple question for you. Just how good was Josh Navidi? <laughs> Josh Navidi, right, was quite good. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, if you see this photos going around of him now playing for the Wanderers uh, as a team, and um, you know, he was really good at that age and and really strong. But the the difference in uh, physique, he was he was an absolute bull towards the end of his career. Yeah. You know. Um, and look, it's no surprise that the retirement was no surprise to me. It's been coming. He, has, he hasn't mm-hmm. strung, he hasn't strung a series of games together in a really long time. You know, I would say say two months of of, of regular rugby. I don't think he's done that in since before the pandemic. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like anyway. Uh, and also, you know, like last autumn, I heard a rumor that he was struggling to get fit again, and uh, and weirdly. It wasn't. It wasn't just his neck. It was other issues as well uh, as, that were that were stopping him from taking the field again. So uh, I think they. I think they. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm only guessing. I think they quite often say neck because um, it sounds. It sounds like a more serious injury that you've just got to stop with. But it, yeah, other, he's got other. He's got other hamstring issues going on and all sorts of problems. So um, yeah, it's sad. Uh, obviously, not on his own terms, and you know probably. Uh, a little bit, you know, earlier than uh, he, he is into his thirties, but a lot of players are going, especially in this neck of the woods, are going on to their mid thirties these days. So, um, yeah, big loss to Wales and Cardiff, and um, I mean, he, he was DJing on <laughs> Judgment Day, wasn't he? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, there's what? footage of him. Oh right, okay. Yeah, so yeah. I, I, I don't know if he's got a job lined up already. <laughs> Maybe he's doing a season in Ibiza uh, starting got, next week. He does but, something uh, else on the side. I can't remember what it is. I always say it's something to do with cars, motorbikes, something. Yeah, something like cars, that. Cars. Yeah, um, he's into motorbikes. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, some. Yeah, and uh, he probably might take over his dad's gym. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just um, family business. I, I mentioned this on Twitter when I was um, when I was a bit uh, a bit pissed on Thursday night, but. Um, as uh, as Killick would tell you, if he was on here, famously thought he was just a very good club player, and I'm sure said that on this podcast a number of times. You went alone. You went alone. I, like, was... I could not yeah. have been more wrong. Like the, no. every game he played, and I remember just having that epiphany, um, that game against um, against New Zealand, mm. where you just thought everything he did was amazing. And yeah, um, well, that was know, the that was the first cap, and 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 that was the one where. Um, uh, Steve Hansen said, "Yeah, who's that? Who's seven? that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people in Wales were, you know, because unless you followed um, regional rugby, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have known, uh, you know, the casual type Six Nations fans wouldn't have known him and got, oh, he's good, who's he? And, and and it was, you know, when you said that thing about uh, a good club player, that's everyone thought he was just a really good club player mm. until he got an opportunity at the international level, and you realise." He's so strong, you can cope with any level of rugby. You know, yeah. that's what it was. It was his strength. I mean, fucking Billy, Billy Vunapola must be delighted that he won't have to play him again. 
<laughs> he, but, mate, he bottled him up so many times for Wales. Yeah. He bottled. He bottled prime Billy. He bottled him right up. He was going nowhere. It, I'd love to see uh, his uh, average carrying figures for England versus his average carrying figures when he plays against Josh and Vidi. I bet they're fucking half what he, what he would normally get. He just he had the perfect technique and strength. He used to, he used to take uh, Unipola around the armpits. Mm. Uh, and I mean, any sane human being would take him around the ankles. But he's so strong, he just wrestle him, like literally grapple him. But that is it, and, isn't uh, it? It's that, it's that inherited wrestler's uh, yeah, strength. Yeah. Yeah, it was. That's what they they kept saying on comms all the time. Yeah, um, yeah, and you know, um, didn't actually play for Wales until 2017, late 2017, and he's got about 20 odd caps, and he's maybe 30 odd, 33. A couple of quick selections. 33 is on the money, in fact. But he did he did get a cap. in Japan in 2013 when that when right. everyone was out with the Lions okay. so development tour and then like um maybe the odd Lions test appearance off yeah. the bench or something I don't think he started two. any yeah, two. yeah. Uh, and you know his um his international career was about four and a half years I think I and I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure um I'm sure we said this at the time but I think if he had have been Bit in 2021, he'd have started. Um, he'd have started in that Lions back row. Mm. Yeah, he, in the end, he only went out because Tipperick got injured, didn't he? In the mm. um, uh, early doors, but yeah. he, um, yeah, I, you know, I think I think Gatlin rated him insanely highly um, as uh, as you had to because you just um, also uh, to top it all, probably the best nickname of any uh, rugby player in recent history, the, the dreads, dreads of justice or something the like dreads that, yeah. of destruction, <laughs> which is exactly what he represented, uh, uh, especially, uh, especially for Billy Vunapola. Yeah. Superb. What a player. Right. That um, that brings us to a conclusion for this week. Uh, and, uh, and as we say, nearly for the season, but we've got a couple more, a couple more to go. So make sure you stay uh, subscribed. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, you can do that on, Apple Podcasts on Spotify you can hit the follow button wherever you get it. Just make sure you subscribe because um, then any uh, additional ones we bring out, you'll get a notification to your phone and you can listen to me and Murph and various other guests chat nonsense for um, for an hour or so, which you won't want to miss. Um, and if you enjoy that kind of nonsense, then please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, really appreciate it when, um, uh, when you do that. So, uh, yeah, that is it for this week. Finally, just a thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get some top quality coffee you can do that over at socoffeetrades.co.uk right we will be back to chat rugby with you next week thanks for listening sports social podcast network